are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Let's just pray. Father, I ask today that you would just bless your word to our hearts. We want to thank you, Lord, that everything there in that book is for our learning, for our understanding, for our guidance. It's really, Lord, it's a manual for life, and we want to thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm uh, continuing on with the the pastor's um, series on the culture of heaven. And today we're going to be talking about the power of giving. It seems that those things always fall on my shoulders to do. So, uh, but I don't, uh, I don't, I, I just love it. So, I like talking about things that, uh, where we can have blessing, right? God has a lot of blessing for us. Well, Ray Steadman, in an article, wrote this. The central passage on giving in the New Testament is the 8th and 9th chapters of 2 Corinthians. The subject is dealt with in a wealth of practical detail, and in the midst of the chapter 8, in the very heart of this treatment of giving, Paul sets before us the pattern gift. And here it is, the pattern gift. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. Giving finds its meaning only when others others are made rich by it. Giving is never directed inward, it is always outward. We're talking about Christian giving now. Its intention is the enrichment of others. However, having said that, one of the interesting things about the Bible's teaching about giving is that giving is almost always associated with reward. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, God says through the prophet concerning tithing, Test me, see if I do not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you an overflowing blessing. The King James Version says the blessing that you cannot contain. Overflowing blessing. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, Anyone who gives a cup of cold water to one of his little ones will not go unrewarded. Paul says in Corinthians 9, 8, one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and one who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. 
And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance. So that always having enough of everything, you may work abundantly in every good work. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 verse 38, Give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give to you. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you again. Giving is an investment on which you and I can expect a return. Granted, there are some who uh, have brought this trust and confusion to people with regard to tithing and giving by unscrupulous fundraising means. But it's a biblical fact that the whole Bible is full of promises, promises of reward in this world that we're living in. Promises of reward for generous giving. There is a self-interest to our faith. It would be strange indeed if we were following Christ and make the sacrifices involved if it wasn't in our own best interest to do so. Being a Christian has its benefits. It enables us to live a life of joy and hope and meaning. It places us in the, in the midst of a community of faith and caring. Most of all, it gives us the promise of eternal life. That's no small reward in this world of sin and death and sickness and sorrow. But God reward, God's rewards gifts of grace. It's not payment for service rendered. It's not something that he does just because we're good. It's God's grace to us. God loves a cheerful giver because God is a cheerful giver. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift, James says. James 1.17. God, being who he is, loves to shower blessings on us. And not just his people, but on all people. The Bible says that he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Creation abounds with the gracious gifts of God. He's a giver. But that's not strange to us, is it? I mean... God made us that way. As human beings, our love for our families, our love for our own, our love for our children, 
We do our very best to make sure that our children get a good education. We do our very best to ensure that we, we train them up in a way that when they finally leave home, they're well able to take care of themselves. They have some skills in becoming good husbands and wives, becoming good fathers and mothers, becoming good citizens. That's the love we have for our own, for our family. And that's the love that God has for us. Everything that God has declared in his word is for our well-being. So that we can stand and be strong in the Lord. We love our children and we try to give them everything that we can so that we will provide them a good future. But God in love has set in motion some eternal principles to empower us. The acts of love and commitment create their own reward. The consequences are good for those who practice love and commitment. Paul uses the principle of sowing and reaping. This is a law of the kingdom of God, a biblical principle. Within the culture of heaven, it's the same. You reap what you sow. You know how it works. If you hoard, withhold, whatever, if you hold, withhold your love, your compliments, your embraces, your feelings, your resources, the harvest will be proportionately small. But if, on the other hand, you spend your love, you lavish your care on others, let genuine approval and heartfelt compliments flow freely, it will come back to you, as well as enrich those around you. You sow love, you reap love. You sow compassion, you reap compassion. You sow money in the kingdom of God, you're going to reap harvest. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 8 to 11, God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God. Jesus himself made the same point. He said, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The only difference is that God, to whom we give, is the creator and the provider of the universe. He's the Lord of sowing and reaping. Nowhere is this principle found more powerful than in giving. God will never be outgiven by us. You can't outgive God. The clearest lesson we learn from 
all of this is that giving pays great dividends. It should not be placed in the debit column of your life. The talent, the time, the money, the resources we give is not lost. It's sown for increase. It reaps a bountiful harvest because souls are saved, encouraged and enriched and restored. It brings honor and glory and thanksgiving to God. The Old Testament lays the foundation for giving, 10% for every generation, past, present, and future. First mentioned in Genesis 14, verse 20, the Bible tells us that Abraham tithed, and we read in Hebrews that he, he did this by faith. It wasn't the law at that time. It was before the law. And Abraham tithed. Some 500 years later, it was included in the law of Moses. You find it in Leviticus chapter 23. And, the strong, and, and then it's strongly emphasized by by God in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. That's 1,100 years after that, after the law of Moses. And then we see tithing still practiced in the Gospels some 400 years later. And now, 2,000 years later, the Christian church is still tithing. But after the crucifixion, Jesus ascended into heaven and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the church was born. And now, all believers in Christ are no longer under the law, but under grace. Do that mean that we just cut out the Old Testament and just go around with little small pocket New Testaments? No. The Old Testament is still a, a great uh, manual for life. You read the Old Testament and you'll find out there's a lot of things that if you don't heed it, you'll be trying to reinvent the wheel. Why go back over things that have been proven to be wrong? Why not stick with things that are proven to be right? New Testament paints a radically different giving picture for us. The Christian church today still holds to the Old Testament guideline of 10% because it's right to do so. Our, our PAOC theological statement on tithing Oh, something like this. Tithing was divinely instituted by God under the old covenant and was compulsory upon the people who worship God. Under the new covenant, we are not bound, or, or, or it's, in other words, it's not compulsory by our arbitrary laws. But the principle of right and wrong, has as expressed by the law, are fulfilled in the believer's life through grace. 
Grace should produce as much as or more than the law demands. You hear that? Let me say that again. Grace should produce as much as or more than the law demands. Regular systematic giving is clearly taught in the New Testament. It is known as the grace of giving. And the gauge or rule of this systematic giving is defined in the Old Testament known as tithing. All Christians should systematically tithe their income to God. Now the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada is not the only church group that believes this. If you're a Baptist, you're going to be expected to tithe. If you're an alliance, you're going to be expected to tithe. If you're a Lutheran, you're going to be expected to tithe. They believe in tithing. Every Bible-believing church believes in this practice. Just as in every area of the Christian life, the new covenant provides us with a better way to live and a better way to give. The entire theme of the book of Hebrews is about this better way. It's a, a better way of motivated giving. You're motivated by something. It's not that you're compelled now, but you're motivated. Motivated by love. God's unconditional love. You see, we don't give to get, but we get to give. That's not my original statement, but I liked it, and so I copied it down there. Uh, motivated by God's unconditional love. This love is a foundational expression of the gospel. Jesus expresses it this way. John 3.16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved the world. God is love, the Bible tells us. And love gives. And the Bible tells us that the love of God, when we accepted Christ into our heart, the love of God has been shed abroad in our lives. The Bible tells us that we love him because he first loved us. And for every born-again believer, there's a love relationship between ourselves and God that's going on. And love compels us. Paul writes in Romans 5 and 8, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How can I not give back to someone who has given me so much. The better way for love becoming the is the driving motivation for our giving. Motivated by God's amazing grace. God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I know all the scholarly definitions of grace. 
but one I love has been taught and preached down through the ages, and it is this, God's unmerited favor. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But God gives it to me just because he loves me. God gave me eternal life because he loved me. I didn't earn it. We're not redeemed by corruptible things like silver or gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus. When you accept him into your life, you fall in love with him. Motivated by the Spirit's guiding freedom. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. The Spirit of God is now the living inside of us, guiding us, teaching us, and empowering us. And he serves as a kind of an internal GPS system to lead us in how we are to live and how we are to give. What an exciting thought. You and I teaming up with the Holy Spirit for the expansion of the kingdom of God. I never cease to be amazed at people who understand full well how much it costs to run a household, how much it costs to service a large building, the cost of supplies, the cost of utilities, and all of these things. And they somehow think that you can run a church on nickels and dimes. The main principle behind tithing and giving is the fact that what we do with our money shows where our heart is. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It shows me that I love God more than my money when I'm willing to tithe. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, 24, you cannot serve both God and money. You will either love one and hate the other. As I conclude today, God wants our gifts to him to be our decision in an amount that in some way appropriately reflects our unspeakable love and gratitude to him. He wants us to give because we want to, not because we have to. Paul contrasts the new covenant, better way giving with the old way of giving. Second Corinthians 9, 7. Each one of you must do as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly 
or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When it comes to giving, you just can't lose. It's actually an investment in eternal riches. Are you prepared, dear brother, to come back uh, to the music? And do that one, the last one that you did on the, in the program there. It's actually an investment in eternal riches. God loves it. You will be blessed. The recipients of the giving will be blessed. God will be glorified. The seed of abundant harvest is planted. And you have the guarantee of a bountiful harvest. And this, friends, is the power of giving. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, if all you can see when you read that scripture, if all that you can see is dollar signs, you, you haven't heard the message. You haven't, you've missed the message. The riches of his grace covers a vast, vast area. They consist of the of physical, material, and special blessings, spiritual blessings. It covers all of our need. If you've got a million dollars and you give a hundred thousand dollars or whatever to the church, you probably don't need a hundred thousand or a couple of hundred thousand back. But you might need some very important spiritual blessings. You might need to have some physical blessings. You see, God is not bound just to one little area. When God decides to bless me, and when God decides to bless you, He knows exactly where I'm lacking. He knows where you and I are lacking. And he'll bless you in kind. Also, it promotes the Great Commission to go, to teach, to preach, and to reach the lost. It's a very important part of the culture of heaven, giving and receiving. In fact, that's the economy of the kingdom of God, giving and receiving. Because God has all the gold and all the silver. That's what the Bible says. The gold is mine and the silver is mine. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. It all belongs to him. You see, 
God can get along well without my tithe. God can get along well without your tithe and offerings. But you need to do it. Because God wants to bless you. God wants you to get a hold of the principle. So that you can experience the fullness of his love and grace. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.